Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Recording. <laughs> Hi, you're listening to Fail Like an Artist with your hosts, Julie Battisti and me, Phoebe Ganser, a podcast discussing all the ways we've failed as artists with insight, advice and humour. Each episode, we will discuss a failure and what we've learned from it. Howdy doody. Howdy doody, Julie. Another in-person episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully this will be sort of more of a formal episode after our couple of bonus ones. We have been trying to record this one for a little while, actually, uh, but there's been lots of illness and whatever. But mm. it's also one that I know that lots of people have asked for. And yeah. just before we start, I guess I'll say that we are planning on interviewing a couple of either gallerists or people who own interior shops. And so some of the questions we will just ask them directly instead mm. of us assuming what they think. Yeah, This is very much going to be an episode with us talking about our experiences and our fails and what we've learnt and we're just yeah, going to... By no means the expert Yeah, <laughs> only advice you should ever listen to when it comes to <laughs> gallery research. Do your own research. <laughs> just take whatever we say with a grain of, like, I don't know, salt. <laughs> so I often liken finding a gallery to being a little bit like dating mm-hmm. in that you've kind of got to find a gallery and a gallerist or... Uh, interior shop or whatever the right situation is for you where the chemistry is right with those people Mm. and like a relationship it's never perfect like like, I don't think there is such thing as the perfect person Mm. I think there's uh, someone out there who's who you find whose faults you can live with yeah and so I that's I guess my overarching theme today is finding a gallery but like a bit like dating like a boyfriend yeah like tinder but for galleries (laughs) I think you're right I think it's about compatibility and also um, realizing that you know every single gallery or interior store or place that would sell art on behalf of you is going to be different and run in a completely different way to the next and so um, if you do have a bad or negative experience with one it's not necessarily an indication of how they all are and vice versa. So I think that's it's worth bearing in mind that it will possibly take a bit of time and the first gallery you approach is possibly not necessarily going to be the best for you. 
<laughs> and sometimes you just have to try these things, give them a while, and sometimes then the relationship, you know, reaches a natural conclusion and it isn't quite right for both of you and it's okay to move on from that and find somewhere else. So um, seeing each opportunity as one that may have a, a natural kind of end date yeah like even not necessarily going to find a gallery go with you know get your work there and then that's it you're staying there forever and you that may happen but it equally is good to be open-minded that you've got to just sort of try these things out I think especially when you're starting out it's not a sometimes you've just got to start somewhere and each experience will sort of teach you maybe what you don't want. Mm. So I think I think sometimes you can listen to all of the advice in the world, but until you've had some of those experience yourself, you don't know mm. whether you like someone that's really involved with the process or if you like a really hands-off gallery, mm-hmm. like you're only really going to learn how you yeah. react to that sort of experience. Mm-hmm. And being an artist working for yourself, by yourself, and then having to work with someone else is, you know, it's quite a new experience and it's it's it can be... You have to adapt to that and a different personality. Find someone that works in a way that suits your way of working. And so that that can be something that's really good to kind of gauge before you even decide to put your work somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway, on that note, what sort of is the first thing that we're going to talk about? Um, I mean, I guess the biggest question that we've been asked is, how do you get into a gallery? (laughs) Or how do you find a gallery? Like, yeah. which? how do you find the right gallery for you? Yeah. I think I get asked that a little bit. How do you bit. find a gallery and how do you approach them? And, feel, like, please feel free to interchange gallery for interior shop or yeah. wherever it fits your particular... Yeah, we'll just use the word gallery because... It's easier. It's and, easier than... Yeah. Yeah, because there are, you know, there are, like, interior stores. I'm with a kind of a local gift store gallery hybrid. It has some interiors, it has clothes, it has... Um, art it has but it is perfect for the town my work sells well there so so how did you find that as so like I'd probably refer to that as like an artist collective style gallery yeah how did you find them like I said it's a very small town so it's been there for a long time it's called the Avery it's beautiful um right next door to a cafe so you know it does get a lot of foot traffic Mm. I can't remember it was just one of those organic conversations one day where you know it was like I was in the shop having a look and she said have you got any pieces you know because I've seen your work and it's lovely and if you ever want to put some pieces up I mean it's not the place I would put big huge high price pieces but it's definitely a good place Mm. where I sell small work prints um originals on paper I think there's two things with that. Like one is like never underestimate the power of having a local Mm. gallery because I think people get really passionate about supporting local Mm. artists and it is a really fantastic place to start off, Mm. both for you because, I mean, there is that local support, but also with you professionally, it gets your foot in the door. Like it's an artist that you can put down on your – like a gallery that you can put down on your CV. Mm -hmm. And even though sometimes I think people have their mindset on maybe starting out with a bigger gallery, I think there's nothing wrong with sort of taking a stepping stone approach like starting off at a small local gallery and then yeah I just for me it felt really important to have my work somewhere locally Mm. because every time I sell a piece they get some income and that for me feels like I'm giving back to the community and that's you know there's such a lovely bunch of ladies that run it and it's such a beautiful place that I thought of not being supportive to that doesn't sit right so I I really I really like that I can put put those people pieces there and it and it kind of means that if 
someone does contact me oh have you got any prints and I can just send them in that direction and then I don't have to kind of I don't know it doesn't eat into my time as a in my practice you know because there is that place there yeah they can go and that really works for me I know when we used to chat you and I one of the things that I feel like uh, not wasn't holding you back but was a a mindset thing was you were waiting for galleries to approach you Mm. and one of the ways that we talked about trialing it was you maybe putting your work into a group show and I know that did lead to some gallery relationships for you. Yeah, so um, with Gallery De Novo, they run a um, like an annual show at Christmas called Around Christmas where they send small, is it 20 centimetre rounds? Yeah. Out and I had seen that you were, had taken part and a couple of other artists and I think I reached out and I think I might have missed the boat. I'd, I was sort of too late and so she said, oh, you know, sorry, you know, we send them out quite early in the year, but next year I'll, you know, do reach out at the same, this time, whatever it was, I can't remember now. Um, And so I tried to remember to do that and I did get into the next year's show and that was great because those pieces did sell and they were a good price point, you know, entry point, small piece of art, but it felt really good to be part of that show. And then I think she did, or one of the ladies asked me if I had any bigger pieces and at the time I didn't when I did have some work followed up with a email to say look and it was you know out of my comfort zone at that point to say look oh I have got some pieces now and would you be interested and then they said oh yeah we'll take this piece and see how it goes and then it's almost um, kind of went from there was a way for you to trial out the relationship it was always like a little dating experiment with Mm. them and it was a way for you to get your foot in the door yeah. and they got to see how your work would sell and you got to see how they would be with the selling. And, like, I feel like that is a really – it's a smart way of trialling it before you commit yeah. and sign on to anything. I think it's smart from the gallery's perspective as well, like, to mm. rather than say, oh, yeah, send a – because, you know, they have a lot of people that they want to already support on their own books and stuff. So um, to be a part – to try and get involved in a group show is a really good way of – just getting yourself in front of people's eyes and testing the waters, I suppose. Mm. Sort of like a mini date. Exactly. But the other galleries, I was approached by them. So I've only really had one experience of being rejected by a gallery. And that felt hard. Uh, I went into the gallery, had a look around, asked the lady who was there if there was a number or an email address that I could take to see if they would be interested in having any of my work um and she said oh yeah that's me and um here's my card and you you can send me an email with some images it felt quite out of my comfort zone to ask for that but Mm. I think I don't know if that was the right thing to do but at the time there was no one else in the gallery so I felt like I wasn't taking her time away yeah she was just in the counter like I think if you're not bringing your portfolio in and doing like a cold calling situation, I think that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to sort of say, is there a yeah, who's the right contact person? Yeah, to and who who would I write this email to? And then I wrote an email, attached some images, and and then it was a thanks but no thanks, which you know felt at the time. I I remember I cried, I felt sad, Um, did feel rejected, but that's just part of it, isn't it? And Mm. in hindsight, it. My work, it was quite early in my painting career and, and it, my I hadn't really found a cohesive kind of style at that stage and I was sort of still finding my feet and I'm not surprised really that she <laughs> told me I was... Mm. Uh, my, she, she basically said my work was too similar to another artist that she had already 
which is fine and very business smart on her move you know like understandable she doesn't want too many people who have very similar work in the same gallery and and actually it is is okay I don't think it it was a great loss at the time for me to not end up there and it made me go away and look at my work and think about how I could make it more different and unique and more like me and um it was just a good lesson in kind of uh being brave <laughs> and then resilient mm. um what about you how how was your first kind of interaction with the gallery and what did you what was your kind of uh so I feel like I've sort of built up my exposure a lot over time so I started out in the early days the exhibitions that I put on were self-represented in like a more of a gallery collective space where I or or in spaces where I paid for the space and then manned the gallery myself but I feel like they've sort of got or for me I knew after the first couple that I didn't want to continue doing that because I the sales was not it's not a part Mm. that I'm really comfortable with and was a part of a part of that whole process that I wanted to move away from. So I did start really slowly, similar to the way that you've done it. So I started off with just putting a single piece into group shows. And then when I was ready to start looking for, I guess, gallery representation, I did a couple of big trips around New Zealand where in advance I did a lot of research. Mm. I emailed the galleries that I wanted to stop by in advance and said I'll be in your part of town on these dates I'd love to come in and discuss my work here's some pictures of my work mm. it didn't they didn't all work out but it, um, that's how I ended up with my representation with Parnell Gallery is sort of set up a meeting sent them some mm. images of my work went in and met them for me I feel like meeting the people that are in the gallery is really important it's not always possible but if you that if you can even having a phone well. conversation I think it I feel like the chemistry is really important between you and the gallerist, especially if they're going to be selling your work. Mm. I've had some interesting relationships with galleries over the years. I've had some awful experiences and some great experiences. Mm. Tell me about the awful one. Uh, so like the worst experience I've had with the gallery is the gallery that represented me when I was pregnant for the first time. And I hadn't been unsure about how to approach my galleries about that, whether I needed to say anything. It's mm. sort of this weird, um, but I had an artwork that was for sale and a collector had contacted them because she wanted to buy it and it had just sold. And they emailed her back saying, oh, she, the collector had said, oh, I'd love to discuss a commission with that artist. And they said, oh, she's pregnant now, so she won't be working for a while. Hmm. Um, and the way they'd worded it was just really, it made me feel really weird about being pregnant and what I was doing to my career. And hmm. it was just a weird, it was anyway, very, very um, assuming of them. Not... They hadn't had any discussion with me about that. Yeah. I would have happily taken said, on the commission. By the way, I'm not taking any thing on. Yeah. Fair enough to assume that and not give you that chance. I, I was kind of lucky in a way because that collector contacted me privately. Right. And showed me what the email that the gallery had written. I actually severed ties with that gallery. Mm. And she went on, she's bought three pieces from me now. So I feel like I'm very lucky to have a very passionate collector. But also Mm. sometimes that's what I mean by you're not going to know how a gallery works unless you've like some Mm. of those experiences. I know when I, how I found my gallery in Australia was I knew I couldn't get there in person to check out the galleries. Mm. I'd done a bit of research and then I worked with a mentor 
who could go in and give me advice on how they felt that gallery would fit with my work. Mm-hmm. But it is, you know, it's tricky finding the right gallery and people yeah. give you all sorts of advice of look for someone that doesn't have work like yours or look for mm. a gallery that does have work like yours. Mm. And that can be really confusing. Mm. And I think part of it is you've got to go with your gut and find a gallery who you really like the look and feel of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had an opportunity with a gallery uh, in, in a different part of New Zealand. I did a show which I had to pay for even though I was not manning the space. And I don't know whether that's normal. There Is are that lots normal? Of, I don't know what's normal. There are lots of different formats and sometimes it depends on... Sometimes they'll ask you for a fee to exhibit, mm. but they'll take a lower commission rate. And mm. so it depends on... And so it's almost like an entry fee into a group. Yeah, this was quite expensive. Okay. And I don't think there was a lower commission fee. <laughs> yeah, anyway. It felt funny... But at the time, I felt like it would be good for my career. So I did the, did the exhibition. And then after, they wanted to keep some pieces on. And then those some of those pieces sold. Some of them didn't. And then they, the gallery owner wanted bigger work. And I just couldn't at the time. Like I was kind of at capacity managing family. And at the time, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't really do big work. And I remember they got a bit funny with me because I couldn't do what they wanted in the time frame that they wanted it and that felt just felt not right yeah and so that I sort of said look I I I can't off I can't do that right now and it was kind of like okay well thanks but bye you know yeah and that felt a bit like oh have I shot myself in the foot should I have tried harder should I have I, I felt I kind of berated myself I beat myself up a bit for not like pushing myself to get this bigger work done because Clearly, that's what the clients wanted. Like, that's what they were saying. Um, people are coming in. They're like, what we've got of yours, but they want it three times as big. And if you can get that to us, I know I'll sell it, you know? And I was like, but I just can't. Yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely not the right fit for you. I just can't do that right now. And Yeah. You know, but it was, and it was like, well, it's big or bye. And so I had to go with bye because at the time I just knew that I was not capable of that. And yeah. So that was hard. It was hard to feel like, again, like, you know, when you feel like you're sabotaging your career Mm. because of other commitments. But for me, my family always are the most important and I have to put them first. And so, yeah, I I have to make peace with that. And just, I just didn't gel particularly with this person that they were, they were quite abrupt with the way they worded emails and things and that I'm quite a sensitive person. And so I felt like for me... It didn't quite But that's what I think with looking for a gallery who's got the right chemistry for you because you've got to be able to have those discussions with them. Um, And if you can't, then it may not be the right fit. Exactly. And then it's okay to just say, oh, look, you know, this isn't working and you're not a failure for stepping away from that. It's just, it's just, it's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's, um, it's funny to you, like, I've had one where... I had an exhibition of florals and I remember approaching that gallery about it and sort of I'd, I thought they were a really fantastic gallery and they really got what I did. And when I approached them about a show and they said, oh, that would be fantastic. We've got another artist who wants to do a show as well. We could do the both of you. It would be such a great fit. Mm. And that other artist had these male nudes mm. and they were fantastic works. But they just, they, I did not feel like they complimented mine. Mm. 
And I felt like... No, I can't really imagine your work next to big male nudes. <laughs> I just, you know, when you sort of think, why, why would you think that was the perfect fit? I remember thinking, obviously, this is not... Like, I don't mind... Different work, yeah. If you're, I think it's a very different scenario if you're in a big group show and there's all sorts of different work. Mm, mm. That's one situation. But having two solo shows mm. and saying that they were going to complement each other, I was like, I, I would have chosen a different word than mm. complement. But I sort of quickly worked out, I think, that the gallery owners and me were in a very different wavelength and they had promised that they would do a lot of support and they would come to the studio and help me with pricing and they ended up being way more hands-off than I wanted at that stage in my career Mm. and again they gave me another opportunity a few months after that first show and I ended up turning them down because I was like I think I want to look for Mm. another opportunity I didn't want to sort of double down I was like it it was a good show and it was successful but I knew I wanted to take that next step and was sort of like looking back on that experience and thinking do you know what it was good but it, it wasn't yeah they weren't the one no yeah I didn't want to go monogamous. You didn't want to. Yeah. You didn't want to put a ring on it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Finding the right gallery, I think, comes down to finding a gallery with the right chemistry for you. Mm. So think about, you know, is that initial dating stage? Can you test out the waters? I think a lot of people ask me, how do I approach them? I think this is the area that would be really great for us to ask the gallerists about. Yeah. And we have had one lovely gallery email us with a bunch of advice yeah. and we'll pop that in the show in the newsletter this week. So go yeah. and check that out. I would just say from my, and you can perhaps do, you know, either mm. correct me if I'm wrong or what, whether you think no. this is right. But I would say, first of all, make sure you, um, if, you're, if, if you say you're not going to go in and do it in person, because I don't think turning up and expecting to speak to someone and talk to someone the same day about your art yeah is ever a good idea no like do not cold cold call like if someone just turned up on your doorstep and said hey would you like to like buy these rugs you know you'd shut the door on their face and say you know you've got to send a few texts first you've got to warm up the audience and then take them out on a date yeah yeah, yeah. sorry i should have brought that back to the boyfriend thing so so if if a man knocks on your door and said hi i'd like to take you out for a drink (laughs) you know you pretty quickly going to shut the door. <laughs> it's a bit like when you get those DMs of... Do, uh, oh, the NFT DMs. Yeah, or, the, or the sugar daddy. I've had quite a few sugar, sugar daddy. daddy. Sugar daddy. I'd like to be your sugar daddy. I'm offering $5,000 for you to... Um, yeah. No, thank you. That sounds dodgy. Yeah, so I don't think going into a gallery and saying, oh, hello, can I speak to so-and-so and show them my pictures of my work, You know, that's not necessarily going to go get you any brownie points if you do pop into a gallery and you think this feels like a nice place asking whoever's working there when they're not busy talking to someone else you know uh, politely if you could have a business card or something with the details of who who you'd contact about um submitting work to be looked at um asking for a name is always good so you've got got some the right person's name to address the um, right, you know, when you're writing the email, who, who you're talking to always is polite. First of all, they may say, "Sorry, no, we don't take anyone on." Fine, walk away. That's 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 the way it is. Mm. Or they may say, "Yeah, you know, here you go. This is it. You need to contact Simon or whoever." Mm. And then the next thing would be to make sure that you have some really good photos of your work. And I 
don't know about you, Julie, but I think you probably need to have like minimum, I don't know, six to 10 images, I would say, of, of work. Um, I think showing a gallery that you can create a, body, a, of a body of work doesn't need to be all of the same thing. So for example, when I used to contact galleries, I would send three clouds and three flowers yeah. just to show that there was, it wasn't just one, yeah. one flower and a bunch of clouds or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And also that with timing of sending that email, I've always chosen. So after the end of a show or after a release of work is mm-hmm. when I would be sending yeah. an email so that they, they can see how you're. Yeah, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel worried if some of that work has sold when you, when you send that email, if you have to write, you know, like making up a a PDF or, um, you know, something where you've got those images with the names and the sizes and the material Mm. and whether it's sold or still available, probably good to make sure you've got a few of them available in case they do turn around and say, oh, yeah, we'd love some pieces. And then say, if it was you, Julie, for instance, you take, you know, three I've months to do a like piece that. of work, you know, like, and then you, well, they're all sold, actually, then they might. That's how I've literally done it in yeah. the past. I've, I've, I've rarely got work available. So I've often, if I want to secure a relationship with a gallery, it, it might be, it has been sending them a PDF of my work, all of it has sold. Right. And said, if you, I'd love to pursue a relationship with you, we'll try. Sorry, that sounded a bit needy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd love to trial and see how my work goes in your show, in your gallery space. But the idea around sending pictures and images of your work with the sizes and dimension is they get the idea of what sort of size and what sort of price mm. point. Mm-hmm. And if your work and that size and that price will fit within their collector base. And yeah. that's something that you probably should be researching yeah prior to like say say your work is all um in the one thousand to two thousand dollar kind of range and that gallery only seems to have work that's five thousand dollars and above might not be the right place to contact but similarly if if your work is you know quite highly priced and the gallery mainly sells um work that is capped at like two thousand dollars then again you've got to kind of figure this out a little bit in advance do you do your homework I think there's always exceptions to the rule, but when I've been looking for galleries, I've either looked for galleries where they've got a work that is sort of of similar value and size to mine, Mm -hmm. or where there's not work like mine already in that gallery. And so, but I know plenty of people that look for a gallery that has work that's like theirs, because then they know, oh, I can see that this gallery clearly likes still lives or clearly likes abstracts. I, I was listening to a podcast and I can't remember which one it was, but it was a gallery owner who said we don't ever have figurative work. Like, we just don't... We, we're not a gallery that sells portraits. We only sell landscapes, and that's just what we are. And so wasting your time to send your portrait work to them. Mm. They want to be able to sell your work. Mm. I mean, they, both parties want it to be successful. Yeah. I think the other thing to consider before you start emailing places is do your research, is mm-hmm. it going to work out, but also warm up that gallery Mm -hmm. so make sure you're following them on their socials Mm -hmm. make sure you've signed up to the newsletter so that you know the sorts of communication that they send out they know that you're already following them Mm -hmm. if you can go along to a couple of opens if you're local if you're not you can't do that and that's fine you can engage with their content you can like and comment and but not in a stalkery like over the top way but just make sure that you're kind of 
engaged. And, you know, that isn't going to go unnoticed. It would mean something to me if someone was following mm. the gallery before they approached. Because, I mean, if you're going to approach a gallery, you want to like them enough to already be following them. Yeah, on the socials. Don't, totally. Like, they're very simple things, but I find mm. sometimes they're things that people forget to do. The other thing I'd say about the, the photography side of things, I mean, definitely getting good photos is an absolutely huge, mm. huge investment that's worth spending the time and if not the money on. So yep. if you've got the skills, spend the time getting good, good photos of your work. If you haven't got the skills, then invest in paying someone to get those photographed or scanned for you so that you've got, because that's your first impression. And if you don't get that right, but the other thing that I have heard from um, someone is to say to make sure you size those images and name them them appropriately. Because if you're getting a photo, say, and it's, I don't know, 20 megabytes or something, mm. and you're putting it in an email, and then that person's opening it up and it's crashing their computer or it's, you know, really slow to load and it's absolutely huge, mm. It's that's going to be frustrating for someone and they don't necessarily want to have their email inbox completely overwhelmed with your image yeah so and you know and if the file name is dslr45728 you know that's not looking great i so, always try and name my files so it's got my name the dimensions of the work and the name of the work all in the file name yeah and then size it to you know web web view size so yeah. that they can open it up easily quickly it's not huge they can see it within the email even or ideally you put it in the yeah. email yeah and then it's there and and um it, you're taking away energy and effort you want to make it as easy for them as, as possible. possible that's just something that i remember someone saying the other thing that i would recommend is if you can reach out to some of the other artists who are with that gallery mm. and i would say go beyond sending a instagram message i would say pick up the phone if you can and call another artist and actually talk to them yeah. and ask them you know, what are the things they do well? What are the things they don't do well? Because if you can... Well, don't expect someone on Instagram that you've never had a relationship with to divulge all that information, basically. It, yeah. You need to have a relationship with someone to be able to ask those questions. It can be really personal stuff and be sensitive around that sort of thing because I know that, you know, I love the galleries that I work with, mm. but they've all got their own little quirks. Be mindful of that when you're when you're asking people for advice and help that like they no, don't always have the capacity to give you all of the advice and also if they don't get back to you you know just I guess a follow-up six months later might be worth doing but otherwise maybe you just need to take that as a mm. it's not meant to be right now exactly there are plenty of other fish in the sea that mm. whole yeah and not to be too offended it is hard, but you've got to remember that if a gallery does turn you down, that's just one person's taste. Mm. And there's, whatever, six billion people in the world. So you know, yeah. one person's taste doesn't mean that your work is terrible and bad. It just means it's not for them and that gallery. Yeah. And it is hard to not feel rejected and like a failure and feel like, oh my gosh, I need to go and burn all my work and throw it in a skip and never paint mm. again after those moments it does feel quite um it does feel you can feel quite crushed and you know it's a bit like being dumped or something no like absolutely it, it's not nice to feel like that but it's part of it and unfortunately like it is probably a good idea to just 
get rip the band-aid off and do it get the rejection out of the way because mm. <laughs> once you've had it once the next time won't feel as bad <laughs> yeah well that sort of covers off finding a gallery and then I guess the next sort of things that we wanted to talk about was some of the things that pop up when you're in a relationship with a gallery Hmm. and so one of those things that I know we always talk about is uh, there are lots of different ways that galleries communicate with artists so I know one of the things that often galleries don't tell you when your work has sold straight away you might not find out that straight away Mm. and you might find out because someone else messages you or you go and look at your you know you stalk your own profile sometimes I found out just because like the money shows up in my account like a month later and I'm like oh I guess that's sold and I you know and every gallery is going to be different and they are busy and they do manage a lot of people so I understand that but um I think it's talking to you and realizing that that's actually it's not a personal thing like I shouldn't feel rejected or whatever if that happens or like they don't care about me it's just actually sometimes that that you slip through the net or they're busy or yeah I've only ever worked with one gallery that is really proactive about telling me when work has sold Mm. which is really lovely but all of the other galleries I've worked with and that's not that's fine Mm. um usually I find out either because I've stalked my own profile on their website and seen that something has disappeared or has got a red sticker next to it or another artist who's in the area has stopped has seen it in the window and said oh it's sold already and I'm like oh okay yeah so and I that's think, yeah, normal. Knowing that that's kind of actually fairly common. Yeah. And that, you know, you probably will get at some point like a invoice with a, you know, oh, this one sold. And you, you're not quite sure when, you know. <laughs> um, it, can be, it can be tough. And lots of different galleries pay on different schedules. Mm. So most are on like a monthly system. Some are 60 days. If yeah. it was more than that, I'd be having a think about yeah. what's going on there. Um, some are really quick, some are within seven days. So it, again, it's going to be different within every gallery. Yeah, yeah. And the second one, and I know this is one that we've talked about heaps around communication, is that sometimes galleries will not be proactive in asking you if you've got more work. Mm. Sometimes it's when you've got a work finished, you're going to have to contact them and yeah. say, I finished these two pieces. Are you interested at all? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Which Quite is uncomfortable. They say, yes, it's great brilliant send them up but again you've got to remember these galleries are busy and they are not going to necessarily sit at a computer firing off an email to every single person on their book saying have you got work have you got work have you got work Mm -hmm. and if you're the squeaky wheel saying I've got work do you want it more likely that you're going to get that work in the door and on the wall because I think sometimes often we think oh they follow me on Instagram they know that I'm working on something we all know that no one no one is (laughs) sees any posts and again I think I've got one, I know one gallerist that often contacts me and says, oh, I love that one. Can we have that? Yeah. But that's a, that's the rare exception. And yeah. I think that is one way that that gallery often makes me feel seen. Mm. And I have some galleries that I work with that are really hands-off and I really like that in some ways too. And I have some that are really proactive and hands-on and mm. who call and some that I've just never heard from. Yeah. Unless I've reached out to them. Yeah. So there is all sorts of different styles of communication that go on with gallery relationships. And yeah, figuring out quite early how they work and then um yeah, being proactive if if you ask them like would you like me to send you an email every time I have a piece if you say that straight away off the bat and if their answer is oh yes please that will save us the work and that will that will be one less thing for us to think about. Mm. then do that and and make it a 
priority that you honour your word of contacting them I think sometimes this is the thing that I'll be interested to talk to a couple of gallery owners about it's that line of walking of like at what point am I being proactive Mm. and when have I become that needy over communicative person Mm. and I find that's where I that's something that I know I worry about is I often worry that I'm asking too many questions or bothering them Mm. too much it's something that I berate myself I think on a lot or I overthink Mm. Mm. all the time and each gallery owner may have a different preference of Mm. how needy they want their artists to be exactly (laughs) because it's like a harem they've got many wives and girlfriends (laughs) (laughs) you know it's not just the one and they're never going to represent just one type of artist either it's not like there is a you know cookie cookie cutter mold of artist personality out there The next area that we thought we would talk about is sort of how different galleries approach marketing and social media and in-person connections Mm -hmm. very differently Um, and whether that's their approach to social media in terms of marketing work and marketing exhibitions. There are so many different ways of doing it. Mm -hmm. I know of some galleries who are fantastic with social media. They put a post up every time they've got new work and and they do really well with that. But I also know galleries who their social media account is not their be all and end all. And it probably isn't the best social media I've ever seen. But they still manage to sell works really quickly because Mm -hmm. they really, I mean, their gallery specializes, I guess, in their local collections and a really good connection with their mailing list mailing list Mm -hmm. and collector base. And so a gallery not having the hugest Social media account. Um, social media yeah. account is not the be all and end all. And that's where I think sometimes where if you can go in and see a gallery or hear from a local's perspective what that gallery is like or go in and experience it, you can... Yeah, it's a, definitely not necessarily the indication of how well a gallery does at selling work by just looking at their social media. And especially even with marketing events, like I've had some galleries who have printed off so much materials prior to a show and some that have done none of that sort of, I guess, because sometimes I think putting flyers out for a gallery show is not always the best approach. Yeah. And so what they've what they've spent their time doing is contacting collectors individually and talking about your work. And yeah. sometimes that is actually that smaller, more detailed approach can be better than a, we'll hold an opening and hope that everyone comes. And because mm. I know I've had some, some really quiet openings and they can be really gutting. And then mm. I've had really big, busy openings where I've sort of focused on it more being about my friends and family coming to support the fact that I've yeah. put together a body of work. Yes, yeah, so I've had a gallery show, uh, exhibition in a gallery where, and it was not local to me, so I didn't really know anyone. Um, and it was a very quiet opening. And you know, it was hard because I'd bought, they, they told me to buy some wine and some cheese and nibbles and that. So I went out and did that. And, um, you know, and then, then it was like a handful of people walk in off the street. And they'd promised that they'd contacted lots of people on their mailing list and and made a big deal about this exhibition opening and and because I wasn't from the area I kind of expected there to be more people coming but it it was very quiet and it yeah it did feel a bit of an (laughs) anticlimax but you know I had had a few couple of friends locally who came and supported it and it still felt like a good milestone but it was it was a bit of a strange one because the out of all the the six bottles of wine that I bought only two got opened and it was like okay never mind 
<laughs> and I came back the next day to sort of say we were leaving town and to collect the spare wine and the, the owner was like oh I took it home with my friends and we drank it last night <laughs> that's so cheeky and I was like oh I was like quite okay that's not I mean for that and it, it's different, going to be different from every gallery depending on what commission they take and everything but usually I've found that galleries are willing to spit, spit the costs of yeah of wine and food because I'd paid you know I'd paid a fee for the exhibition and, oh. and I'd paid for the wine and I was just like for all I'm gonna get out of this is taking my wine home to drink tonight then <laughs> but I didn't even she get that you took, she took your consolation prize <laughs> didn't even get that I did sell the majority, oh, I'd say half of the work during oh, the exhibition. That's that's so right. it wasn't a, it wasn't terrible. Um, it wasn't a flop. Flop. Well, maybe that wine but, fueled her. Yeah. Her sales calls. <laughs> maybe, maybe <she> <laughs> um, yeah, but it just, I think going in, kind of with a, you got to have, I don't know, not too ambitious expectation. Maybe maybe that's pessimistic of me, but I, I don't know. I kind of expected there to be more people mm. and I was a bit disappointed that there wasn't and I don't know whether I felt like I should have done more to try and get more people there um I feel like you've just got to chalk that up to yeah. an experience because you could like woulda coulda shoulda woulda yeah like I know that I'm trying to keep my expectations for my show later in the year as realistic as possible because especially I know that at the moment um, just after talking to my mentor the other week, that the clearance rate for exhibitions in Oz is around 30 to 50%. Mm. And that I found really helpful to know just mm. in terms of, and then yeah. I know at the moment that my big pieces are taking a long time to sell. And so I think there is a certain risk involved in mm. putting together an exhibition of mostly big pieces of mm -hmm. art. And that's, but I think that also just for me is like, well, I'm going to have to make sure I do as much marketing as I can off my own bat and yeah. make sure I give the gallery some great images to share. Yeah. And I know that they will do their part on their end of marketing, communicating, mm. getting in touch with collectors, putting it out there. But it is, you know, it's a joint effort. It is. And to be willing to, mess, you know, talk to that gallery, whether it's phone call, whether it's email and say, look, what are you expecting me to do? Like if, you know, be honest if it's the first experience that you've had with working with a gallery, whether it's with a mm. show, whether it's just one or two pieces that you've got with them. Um, it's okay to say, look, I actually, this is this is new for me. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure what, what the right thing to do, how much marketing I need to be doing myself. You know, they're, they, they're not going to laugh at you for asking questions I don't think and sometimes I think this is where it can be really good for your career when you start off with ace there are lots of different you know gallery manager styles just like there are many different artists and everything else in the world so I know that often you know I've worked with big galleries that are very hands-off and to be honest that can be really easy because it's sort of just like submit the work send it off yeah they do a lot of the marketing it. and do all of the other bits and pieces which for mm -hmm. me sometimes in different stages of my life has been fantastic but I also know of a few other galleries that are much smaller and are much better at, I mean, I call it handholding, but I don't mean that in a condescending way when you're first starting out. So in terms of, you know, I'd like to put your work in so many group shows to build up a collector base and then we'll have a show that's maybe like a joint group show with one other artist so that you've got the combined forces of both of your mm. like both of you bringing in an audience for the opening. Mm. And then after that you work towards a solo show. And I think those 
galleries and they can be hard to find but I know Mm. of a couple are really fantastic when you're starting out in terms of a you getting used to what happens when you have a a, you know an exhibition and how that's going to work and how to put work up there and even what to do every time you submit a work to a gallery Mm. so which images do they want you know do they want videos I've got some galleries that don't like me to show an image of the finished work Mm. yeah yeah I've had that before so they don't want you to to sort of spoil it before they've shown it and that's fair enough like make sure you're aware of showing kind of work in progress showing work in progress and putting work out there and almost a lot of when galleries are having sellout shows these days often they have been selling that work privately Mm, for months and months before the opening evening I mean and that's going to be different for different I know galleries that refuse to do that as well and I know artists that don't like working that way but then you know some people it's great for the gallery to do to have those images well in advance um and that's something to be aware of like if you've got an exhibition that gallery may want those images two three months prior to the opening so that they can do all of their marketing they can get those images out to the their clients their mailing list and stuff so you know being aware of that so that you're not working to the, you know, varnishing the night before kind of thing. Mm, Um, So that they can do that legwork for you and hopefully get some red dots on there before, before the doors open that it can build that kind of, Ooh, scarcity. These pieces are, you know, selling out and that, you know, then Mm. that kind of does help motivate people to make the purchase. And I think you've got to, it depends on the environment. So I know I had an exhibition around uh, COVID when, to be honest, art sales were doing quite well for mm. me. And that exhibition, nothing went for sale until the night of the opening. Yeah. And that exhibition went really well. But this exhibition coming up at the end of the year, I think I will be okay with them offering things for pre-sale because I think trying to sell 10 big pieces in one night is going to... Yeah. And let's just say, how long is that exhibition going to be up? If it's only up for, you know, sometimes it's only up for a week, two weeks. Exactly. And so that's, I think... that's, you know, quite a small window for people to think about something and make that. It's a, it's a, it's a big commitment to purchase something that mm. large and expensive. To, and again, it'll know. depend on the gallery that you work with. Some galleries are willing to open their doors to collectors to show them the work um, before it's up mm. on the gallery walls. Some aren't. And that's going to be things that you work out individually with with each gallery, each situation. Mm. The other thing to be mindful of is that if you approach a gallery in a, in a certain area and they say, yes, we'd like to have your work, be mindful of asking them whether they want you exclusively to have your work in, in, that, in, that, in their gallery and not in another one down the road. Mm. Some galleries are okay you know with the you know it's a big city there's two galleries on opposite sides of town they're that's fine you we have no problem with you having work at so-and-so's gallery as well but if there is a conflict of interest that's something that you want to make sure you're really aware of before Mm. going out and putting work in two different places that potentially have a kind of not rivalry but you know they might have uh, a problem with you approaching this gallery down the road so you know, lots of galleries have different types of exclusivity arrangements and that's going to, I think, sometimes depend on availability. It's just worth making sure that you're not going to step on toes by having your work in too many places. Just 
It's a question. It's just a conversation. To exclusivity have. arrangements are anything to be worried about. For example, it didn't bother me signing an exclusivity agreement with Studio Gallery, and I probably would, wouldn't bother looking for anyone else in Australia at the moment. Even, even though New Zealand is smaller, it wouldn't probably make sense for me to have an agreement that would cover all of New Zealand because yeah. there is such different population bases yeah. in Auckland to Mel- to Dunedin, for yeah. example. So it's fine exactly. for me to have two different galleries in different parts of the country. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's so long as that agreement isn't disadvantaging you. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's a good thing to be exclusive with one gallery and it means that people know where to go. Yeah. I think it just depends on where you are, your location, the population, the population, how many, um, you know, galleries are actually in that town or that country or the city or whatever. Um, mm. And just having that conversation and knowing that up front and making sure that you kind of don't then go, you know, if you do decide that, oh, well, actually, I do want to try this gallery out, then maybe it's time to say to the other gallery, hey, look, I'm going to pull my work for and if it's okay I'm just going to pop it in this other place give it a go and if that means that they're going to turn around and be funny about it and never want to have your work again well that's just something you've got to make the call on that relationship yeah, it's yeah, either yeah exactly, exactly um unlike boyfriends galleries don't have to make sure that you're always exclusive you know <laughs> like it's it is something that you've got to decide for yourself whether mm. you want to go down that road or not and yeah but it's worth being mindful of it Okay, so as far we had a few questions asking about commission and how much a gallery should be asking, what the norm is. Um, it does vary, obviously, mm. and I am imagining it varies outside of New Zealand as well. I mean, we have no real experience to draw on beyond Australia and New Zealand, um, but I think it's not uncommon for forty to fifty percent to be the commission, as far as I've kind of that's what I've come across most of the time anything I have heard of galleries taking up to 65 percent but not not a lot mm-hmm. and then I have worked with galleries that take as low as 35 percent mm-hmm. but often that gallery has been a smaller gallery yeah. or it's been an artist collective yeah. or there's been some other almost not yeah like other fee that there is to pay yeah 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 I've 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 worked with a like a pop-up gallery where it was just a flat fee to be a part of that, but you had to um, give some hours of your week to man the gallery. Yeah. Um, and in exchange for that, it, you got 100% of the takings. Yeah. So if you sold nothing the entire time, you'd have paid the fee and given up your time. But if you sold something, then you know that kind of worked out as part of the commission, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the collective that I'm with is 35% possible. I've gone up to 40. Oh gosh, I can't really remember. I think it's 35. I think it started at 30 and it's gone up to 35 in the past few years. Um, and most most wholesale interior yeah. stores are going to work out at about 50% because yeah. it's just with works GST out. and yeah. all of that. And I think a lot of people go, oh, but that's so much. Why would you not? Why would you sell for a gallery? Why would you not just sell? your own work on your website and take 100% of the takings. But I think you've got to remember, like, for, there's a cost for everything. And the cost is either going to be, you know, you take the cut out of your painting or you take a cut out of your own time. time. And mm. to market your work well enough on, like, social media and through your website, um, 
yourself and then have to build those relationships and then you know send your work and all of that like that isn't that isn't going to cost you no, no effort mm. and 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 it's just whether or not that is going to work for you that's how I tried to do it at the beginning um do everything myself and not sell through galleries and I found it got to the point where I I didn't want to do that anymore mm. and I actually think that a gallery does earn their commission if if you know get a good gallery that you get a, that has a really good relationship with its with its customers its clients you know they are not sitting around twiddling their thumbs mm. they are working for you i think you've got to think about it so it's sometimes it'll be the location of that gallery will be fantastic and you're you know you can think of your commission as being that spot on the wall that you're yeah. getting is almost renting it from them yeah and then a good gallery will do a lot of that marketing communication the shipping all of those things that take so much time and that is not I mean for me that's worth a lot and so I've gotten to the stage now where I think I probably spend 90% of my time painting and 10% Mm -hmm. on admin and that's how I like it yeah but that's not going to be the right mix for everyone and so finding the right gallery has been galleries has been the key for me in order to make that switch and that might change later on in Mm-hmm. Um, when I've got more time. But mm-hmm. at the moment, I don't have that much and I really want to spend the time I do have painting. So that's been the way that I've pursued it that suits me. I think if you go, but when I've taken 50% or 40% off and I've taken the framing off and now I'm left with hardly anything, that's when you need to think about your pricing structure. Mm. And if that is not giving you enough to cover your costs and your time then you need to put your prices up, you know? Um, and that's it a question slow... that you have with the gallery. You know, like you might need to just not make much money that first couple of years. I don't know whether I'm just too old school. Like I didn't make much money for a long time and maybe I should have put my prices up sooner, but it took quite a while for me to build up a big lot, like a lot of collectors in order to keep raising my prices. Mm. I mean, pricing is another discussion for another yeah. day. We could go on. But, but I think it's worth to be mindful because some people go, oh, well, uh, you know, in that case, I'll put it on my website um, at 50% less. And that mm. is, I would say, a huge no-no. Yeah. Like, you can't have that inconsistency. You, yeah, you've got to keep prices consistent. And then it, that just might mean that if you do have a website with work as well as with a gallery, then if someone finds your work through your website, then, well, that's a bit of a bonus for you. And it, then if you sell work through the gallery, then they take that cut. But... You know, they've done all that legwork for you. So Mm. um, the one thing I would say that if you're only doing commissions and only selling yourself, it's very hard to keep reaching new people. mm. But if you keep putting work in a gallery, you're also you're increasing your potential for exposure exponentially. You know, the golden days of social media where you were reaching a lot of people and, you know, like when I started out and I didn't necessarily in inverted commas need a gallery because I was getting my work seen by, you know, a lot of people. That's not happening now because of the way the algorithm is and, you know, like, it doesn't matter that I've got 90 plus thousand followers. Like, if only 200 people are seeing a post sometimes. Mm. <laughs> so for me, the, uh, having a gallery, having multiple galleries um, is, is, is getting my work actually seen by people. Yeah. Real people who are engaged, who have joined a mailing list, who are looking to buy art and they are getting that work shown to them. So it takes away that feeling of like, 
oh, I'm just shouting into a void because I've actually got people working for me to do that for me. Yeah. And it's and it's not worth nothing. That's actually oh, worth absolutely. a lot, you know. So um it is it's a it's a thing to get your head around and I think at the beginning it does feel like a big sting that 50% or 40%. But mm. once that's just become the norm and you've accepted that that you know that 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 is going towards getting your work sold you kind of you kind of make peace with it and then it's not a big deal anymore yeah and equally galleries may not be your jam it may not work out for you and that is also absolutely fine yeah exactly and that's the thing it's like it's something to try out see how it goes um and you know really this it is going to not be interesting at all to someone who's like never want to be with a gallery and exactly. only wants to sell through themselves you know for themselves good for you great like and i hope that that, that you know we might try and find a couple of artists to interview who well, um, yeah. yeah we've got so we've got some plans in place yeah um who might be able to give some advice in terms of the best way of running sales and marketing promotion or yourself mm-hmm. so that will come in the future in the meantime, I hope that you guys have all yeah. got something out of this exhibition, this um, episode. If um, if you've got any questions for gallery owners or interior shop owners that you yeah. want to ask us in advance of us doing those interviews, feel free to email them through to faillikeanartist at gmail.com. That would be fantastic. Yeah, we have got a list of questions here that we got submitted that we haven't answered purely because we feel like it's outside of our expertise. So we will be putting those to the the gallery owners when we do but we will um chat. we'll put some of the points today in um in like a little list in the newsletter and we will also have some of these uh we will have some answers from a gallery that emailed us already with a bunch of answers um yeah. in the newsletter this week so if you want to read some more go check that out subscribe um and yeah i hope that this has been helpful and um it's been so lovely to chat and record right next to you, Julie. It's been so fun doing this one in person. And I hope I don't sound too snuffly, but I have. I managed to pass Phoebe my cold. <laughs> I have in, I have been infected with Julie's lovely sharing is caring <laughs> cold. So, um, apologies for the sniffing. Um, anyway, I think that's it for now. Have we um, we won't do any extra bits today. It's it's you know quite quite. Um, centric around information this episode so next week we'll probably have a bit of a catch-up session yay um but until next time thanks for joining us thank you so much bye keep failing bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.